We all have bad days. Am I right? Days that are filled with stress. Days where things are just not going your way. You're bummed out. You're down. For me, when those days happen, I can't wait till the evening. And I sit down in my chair, put the TV on, scroll to find Bob Ross, the joy of painting, and I watch Bob Ross paint. I watch him paint landscapes, barns, trees, the sky, the clouds. I love it when he draws on the water and the shading. His calming voice. It's so relaxing. And he relaxes me when I'm stressed. I do this on days like that. It's no joke. There's something about Bob. Mr. Ross was one hell of a painter. He's an artist, of course. And we're going to talk about his documentary put out just recently on Netflix called Bob Ross, Happy Accidents, Betrayal, and Greed. So I hope that you sit back, relax, grab that beverage of choice, enjoy it. For This is the Actors Room, episode 121. Here we go. can't see him. There. And these are just like people. Some of them are tall, some short, some heavy, some very thin. So tree trunks grow however makes them happy. So don't be afraid to experiment and put in all kinds of weird ones. I think probably nothing will teach you more than just experimenting. Do as many different things as, as you have the nerve to do. Shoo, just go for it. There. Sometimes you learn more from mistakes than you do from trying so hard. So anytime you, anytime you make a mistake before you get upset with it, look at it. Sometimes those mistakes turn into be the best learning devices we have. There we are. And I mentioned on one of the other shows, maybe even a different series, I don't remember, I get letters from people who say they're just not satisfied with what they're doing, that their painting is just, they're just not coming out the way they want them. And I think if there's a secret to human nature, it's the fact that we aren't satisfied. We're never satisfied. I hope you're, I hope you're absolutely plagued with dissatisfaction through your whole life. Because if you are, you'll always strive to do better. And over and over, I tell my students, if you ever do a painting you're completely satisfied with, you might as well quit, because you have nowhere else to go. There. And the next one that I do is going to be my masterpiece. Probably won't be this one, but the next one. There are so many great things that Bob Ross just said in that clip I played. And it was during one of his shows, he's standing in front of the easel, painting, and he's talking to us, the audience, about art, about life. These are people that get it or got it. Bob is no longer with us. He's passed along. 
And he left us very valuable uh, tidbits and insight into art and life. He says, you'll never be completely satisfied as an artist in your work. Bob got it. No matter what form of art you love and do and enamored with and always want to be the best at, you're never going to get there. And if you think you have, you're not an artist. You're always thinking about the next project and how well you're going to do in that project. And my brother Dave has the same thing, and he's a true artist. He gets so upset with his art. He paints just like Bob does. Although my brother doesn't do landscapes, he does portraits and other art. And he gets to the point where he's so upset with his work because he feels it's never good enough. And you know what? It'll never be good enough. You're always reaching. You're always striving. And you feel you'll always get better. And you do. You almost don't realize it. Because you fall on your face. You make mistakes. And Bob mentioned that too. Making mistakes is vital and important in art. In any art form. And just like in acting. This is the actor's room. When you fall on your face and make mistakes, you learn. Just like in life. When you're a kid and you make mistakes, you fall on your face, you get up, you brush yourself off, and you become a better person because of your mistakes. Art is the same way. A brilliant man, Bob Ross. So let's talk a little bit more about him. In the actor's room, we'll talk about the documentary. Uh, We'll talk about his art. And then we're going to talk about all the things surrounding his life. A very fascinating life all of these artists seem to have. (laughs) And thank God they do, or I wouldn't have a show. All right. The beauty of Bob Ross was his show called Joy of Painting. That's when we saw him. That's why we know him. And it stems from his ability to put together a painting Within 26 minutes, which means he can give us that beauty in a half-hour show. There is great quotes that Bob Ross has given the world. And here's one of them. Quote, there is an artist at the bottom of every one of us. End of quote. I struggle with this. Um, I think that. Everyone does have the ability to put something on paper, step in front of a camera, and do the best they can, okay? But I'm not quite sure if I agree with Bob on this. I don't think everyone can be an artist. I do believe that everyone can produce art. There's a bit of a difference An artist to me is someone that puts beautiful things that inspire people either on the canvas, in front of the camera, behind it, or on the page of written text. Not everyone can produce successful works of art 
in those fields. It's just, you know, there are people that can't do it. So I don't consider them artists. But I think anybody in a certain way can put something down and be proud of it. And with practice, with uh, sweat and tears and strife, pushing through it, I think that anybody, and this is where I think Bob and I agree, through the process of doing, you will create something you're proud of. Now, not everybody may like it, but it's something that you could take a step back and appreciate. Bob also liked to tell us to use your accidents. They're gifts. They're little, what would you call Easter eggs? Where it's sort of hidden under the surface. And then they kind of come up and surprise you. And give you a little bit of, of glee, of happiness. These little fireworks explosions inside you. Okay? And they happen where you don't expect it. That's the beauty of art. When things happen organically, you don't plan for it. They just happen. Bob appreciated that. And he wanted to express that to his audience when he was in front of the camera in that half hour. I think that if there was something that Bob was proud of is that he can reach maybe just a few people who felt that there's no way in hell I could be an artist. And I think Bob, deep down in his heart, hoped and prayed that he could reach somebody who felt that they were nothing as an artist and give them hope that they could do what he does. Maybe not as good, okay? And most people can't be as good as a Bob Ross. But you could do something. And Bob supplied that hope. He supplied hope to a lot of people when he did his show. And in that little half hour, you can have happiness. And Bob said, if you want bad stuff, go watch the news. God, was he right? (laughs) Getting more into the documentary, we see his son, Steve. Steve seems like he's got a lot going on, doesn't it? He misses his dad. And when you don't know anything about the doc or anything about Bob's life, which I didn't going into this doc, I was fascinated to find out what Bob was all about. Because from the outside and just watching his show, I liked Bob a lot. I got the feeling from watching Bob that he was a good man, a deep soul. And I liked him. Hey, you know what? I'm going to say I loved him. Love. Because for me, he's still alive. For me, he's still alive. Because I could put the TV on and watch him. Like he's sitting there, standing there in my room. Show me how to paint in this calm way. He soothes me. And I guarantee you, he soothes a lot of people out there. If he's soothing me, he's soothing millions. And he did. But the point I'm trying to make about the doc... In not knowing anything about Bob, in hearing his son Steve talk right off the bat, I was a little nervous. The way his son was talking, it was almost like there's these deep, dark secrets within Bob 
that are going to make me not like him. And that worried me. I'm like, no, no, Steve. The son's name's Steve. I'm like, Steve, 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 don't do that, man. I want to, I want to like your dad a lot in this doc, please. But off the bat, I was a little nervous. Like, oh shit, I'm going to find out stuff about Bob and I'm going to, my mind's going to be blown and my world will just fall apart. (laughs) But that wasn't the case. Thank God. (laughs) Thank God, if you haven't watched the doc yet, uh, uh, Bob Ross is one hell of a guy. Thank God. Thank God. I'm serious. My world would have shattered because I like to get a good sense of people. If Bob would have turned out to be a piece of shit, I would have just been, fuck it. You know, I'm done, uh, you know, trying to uh, gauge how people are. (laughs) I'm way off. uh, But yeah. He's a good guy. Let's get into the doc. You find out about Bob and his early life a little. They don't get too much about his early life. They touch on he was in the Air Force. And he was based in Alaska. I think he was a drill sergeant. They didn't say that in the doc. But I heard that Bob Ross, back in the day, in the Air Force, was a drill sergeant. Can you picture that? (laughs) I can't. I just can't. Um, him being stern like that. And these drill sergeants have to be mean. And I can't see Bob like that. But I guess he was. I don't think he liked it that much. And because that just wasn't his makeup. And some of us are thrown into situations where we're promoted. And they say, you're going to do really well at this. And you do it because you kind of have to. But I don't think that was Bob's bag, being a drill sergeant. He wanted to move on. And he loved art and nature and animals. And being based in Alaska was just beautiful for Bob. Alaska was able to show Bob a different side of art with all its beautiful landscapes. Alaska is just a gorgeous place. And it uh, sort of propelled Bob to really dive into his art. It was the forest animals and the trees that grabbed his attention. And in the process of doing his art, he felt it taught you how to look at nature with different eyes. Because once you do that, you're creating a nature through your eyes and it changes either in a good or bad way, but both ways are fine. Bob was also very interested in his appearance. It's been stated that he loved to change his hair. He would uh, put it up, put it down, spend countless hours working on his hair. He wanted to stand out and stand out in any way possible Putting himself out there, being noticed, was important to Bob. His afro in the show isn't real. (laughs) It's not real. It was permed. And uh, yeah, he stuck out, did something different, and you noticed the afro. Who wouldn't? Okay, a white guy with an afro is unusual. But he wanted to look different, and he did. Bob remarked on his afro... That quote, it was like having my springs tightened every couple of months. It needed to be done. End of quote. (laughs) 
<laughs> it, needed, it needed to be done. On his journey to be an artist, he studied. Of course he did. And his first teacher was very impressed with Bob. And one of the first assignments that Bob ever had uh, impressed the teacher so much that all of the other classmates would sort of, I don't know, flock to Bob and watch him work. And I find this fascinating. A true prodigy in a classroom setting sort of sets himself apart from the rest of the class. And everybody's working really hard for the most part. But there's always that one person, right? Or one artist within a certain confines of a class that sticks out. That was Bob. And he was doing wonderful things. Steps ahead of everyone else. This is something special within Bob Ross. Teachers saw it. And his classmates saw it too. They would gather around Bob's canvas and watch him work. Bob got married, of course, and uh, the relationship with his first wife wasn't going well. In the process, they had their son, and his name is Steve. And the family unit was okay, but Bob and his first wife just, they weren't clicking. And the relationship didn't last long. They divorced when Steve was very small. Bob wasn't alone for long. He met Jane and fell in love right away. Jane also loved Bob very much. And the son, Steve, it seems that Steve was around a lot with his father and his new relationship. And from what I get from Steve, is Steve cared for Jane and Bob very much. And that's interesting. It goes to show you how special Jane was because Steve talked about her fondly. So it seemed to me that Jane was a good woman, a good wife. And I'm not taking anything away from Steve's real mother, uh, the first wife of Bob Ross. Um, she seemed like a nice lady, but a little awkward. Uh, kind of like Steve, too. Steve is a bit awkward. Um, yes, but nice people, good people. Bob did surround himself with good people at this time in his life. That won't last long. <laughs> that won't last long. And we'll get into that in a few moments. But during this timeline, Bob would watch TV and want to see painters on television. And there was this one man, one painter named William Alexander. And he was a TV painter. Very boisterous, loud. But he was painting on television and putting a piece of work together within a very short period of time. This fascinated Bob. He wanted to do that. And was fascinated with that concept of putting work together in 30 minutes or less. This kind of art is called a la prima. That's the style. And the definition of this is painting applied wet on wet. Without letting earlier layers dry. So this can be completed. Within one session. So he wanted. And this is Bob. Wanted to find William. So I got to find this guy. He said it took him over a year. To find William. To contact him. And when he did. He became his student. He wanted to learn everything. About this style. A la prima. And he did. He studied with William. I mean, he followed him around. Wherever William went, Bob was there. 
And this is where, for me, the wheels were in motion, man. Uh, Bob was always interested in art and teaching it. And being William's prodigy, he was teaching alongside with William. William had workshops. And Bob sort of was like the assistant. And at one point, Bob started having a little class of his own, branching out. Now, he was always sort of um, a student of William, but he was becoming so good at becoming this, what was it, the a la prima style painter, that he started teaching on his own. And there was one student, and her name was Annette Kowalski. Uh-oh. <laughs> Annette. Oh, Annette. She loved to paint. And she was looking at uh, doing art in this prima style. And she wanted to study under William. But William's class was full. She found out that William had an assistant. And he was teaching his own class. So Annette Kowalski became a student of Bob Ross back in the day. And why is Annette Kowalski so important? And so fucking cringeworthy. (laughs) Or will be. Is because she saw Bob Ross as a ticket. A golden ticket. And not only that, but inspiration. She fell for Bob in all aspects of his being. The artist. The inspiration. And the man. Annette Kowalski was uh, searching for a few things. Yes, inspiration. Yes, how to paint. Uh, But there was something else. Recently in her life at that time, she lost her son. She was down. And looking for love. And through Bob Ross, she found it all. She was not only his student, but eventually she became a partner. She was inspired by Bob and she needed something after the loss of her son. She became obsessed, quite honestly. She would support Bob and also help sell his paintings. Annette and her husband helped Bob with his career, not only in the workshops, but in future television. Steve, Bob's son, said that the family actually moved in With the Kowalskis. And it was a weird structure. He said. Because when you have two families in the same house. There's fights. And when there's disagreements. Steve said. There were constant meetings. And they were done in separate ways. With Bob. Settling things with the Kowalskis. And then settling things with his own family. But the Kowalskis were always pushing Bob. To do more with the workshops. Uh, Get more students. There might be something else for you out there. The way William is doing things on the television. That's something you should do. And he had the opportunity to fill in for William. And he did a marvelous job. He was in front of the camera. He was on television. And he was painting. And he was doing it well. People were impressed. At his personality on camera. He brought himself 
to the screen. This is so vital in communicating and being there for the person on the other side of the screen. We want to feel like we know that person. Like they're our buddy. And he wanted to create a new style. His style. He would study William. His teacher. The way he was in front of the camera. And William was very boisterous and loud. And he wanted to do something completely different. Bob felt that whispering and seducing the camera was the way to go. He would talk about in his paintings how you had to make love to your art. Sexy. And he knew that most of his audience were women. And when you think about how he goes on the screen and talks to you, it is soothing but seducing. He would do three shows a day. And that's a lot of work. And he would even do a couple of, uh, would you say, drafts of one landscape and then do the show. So what you see most of the time would be the third painting of what he did before. Bob would tell his audience and future painters to be brave. And not only being brave, but take that chance. Produce the magic. And I love this. It pertains to other art forms like acting. They said the same thing to all of us actors in school. Be brave. Be the hero. Make mistakes. It's okay. You'll learn from them. Always search. Because searching will make you want to go above and beyond. Bob believed that anybody... And I mean anybody could create art. I agree. It may not be wonderful, but it's art. And he also felt that creating moments was key. Thank you, Bob. Thank you, Bob Ross. There is nothing wrong at all, at all, with creating moments from nothing. You can get something out of that. I was told a long time ago that's wrong. I say, fuck that. If there's nothing there and you're stagnant, nothing going on artistically, create it. Make it come from something. And if it comes from you, it's beautiful. That's creating moments is something that I believe is vital in art. And I agree, Bob, big time. And there's one story I love that was in the doc that there was a a future painter or a wannabe painter. And he felt that he, could, he couldn't do it. And the reason why is because he was colorblind. And he told Bob Ross this at a workshop. He goes, I wish I could paint by God. I wish I could be just like you, but I can't, I never will be. And Bob said, why? I don't believe in that. What's your excuse? Right. And the Bob and the guy said, I'm colorblind. Bob said, so what? Art can be created if you're colorblind or not. And Bob dedicated his next show to show how you can paint in gray tone. And it was so beautiful. One of my favorites is when he did the gray tone painting for that fan. And it goes to show you that 
You don't have to have color like that to make it art. Color's nice. Uh, color presents many options, but that doesn't necessarily make it art. And for me, some of the greatest photographs ever done were in black and white. It's so crisp, so clean. There's something about black and white photos and films. I consider it more artistic. For some reason, it just, it just seems that you concentrate more on the art when there's limited color. What is that? For me, I just think it's so vintagely cool. Bob's son, Steve, says that what you see out of Bob in his show, Joy of Painting, that's Bob. He goes, that's my dad. You want to know who my dad is? Watch the show. He was pretty much like that all the time. And I love that so fucking much you have no idea. <laughs> I said, thank you, Steve. Thank you. I love Steve, by the way. He has a lot of his dad's traits comes through. Um, he's not as sociable, you could tell, and soft and warm as his dad. But he's got that uh, certain sensitivity in him. You could see it. And you could tell he feels for his father and misses him very much. And his son, Steve, wanted to point out, and I have not passed in this show, that his love for animals and nature ran very deep. And when he would uh, fish, Bob would fish often, but he would never keep the fish. He would always throw them back. And Bob said, I hunted. Oh, sure. But only with the camera. God, I love Bob Ross. And I also love this quote by Bob. Quote, only nice people paint. End of quote. <laughs> uh, Bob, I don't know about that. I love that quote. I wish it were true. <laughs> they might be nice while they're painting. So let's talk about that. There's not uh, 100% nice people out there. That's just not the way it works. But within the confines of art, uh, a not nice person <laughs> sitting or standing, doing something that Bob might have taught them, was nice during that time period where he picked up his brush, put it to the canvas, and started making magic. And for that short period of time, or long, they were happy, creating, and therefore nice. Bob reveled in creating niceness and happiness. Happy little clouds. Happy trees. That was no bullshit. And we laugh about it. Watching that froed haired man. Okay, looking like he was from 1965. And kind of was. Painting. But doing it so beautifully. In that soft voice. Creating magic. And it, that's the way it seemed for me. And I sit and watch him. I'm at complete ease. And because of that ease, and I'm watching Bob, I'm nice. <laughs> because this show became successful, Bob was able to teacher train, it's called. Teacher train. And he had his son Steve come along to do this, and his good friend Dana. They were there from the start, doing these teaching classes, training people to paint for real, the way Bob did it. You can create this beautiful work of art in a short period of time. And people loved this concept. Bob as a person was loaded with charisma. He loved cars. 
and he loved to drive really damn fast. (laughs) He would take his friends out and thrill ride. Bob loved the thrill of it. That feeling, that tickle in your stomach, that tickle meant something to Bob. And because Bob was doing so well with the show, I think it's because of the involvement of the Kowalskis. Although you may not like the Kowalskis (laughs) and Annette. If it wasn't for the Kowalskis, we wouldn't know who Bob Ross is or was. They were the brains behind the operation, doing the business side, putting Bob out there, taking care of that side of the business. They had faith in Bob and they saw dollar signs and they got a money from knowing Bob Ross and Bob got recognition and screen time, love and adoration because of the Kowalskis. It may be hard to hear that if you watch the doc and you find out what happens in the end. But, but you got to remember if it wasn't for them, we won't know who Bob becomes. It's true. It's true. And it's the Kowalski's business practices at this time that really do put Bob on the map. Because Bob is able to go out and interact with the fans. If he's not worrying about the business part, he now has more time to take care of his end. And that's being Bob. Nice Bob. Great Bob. Impressionable guy. Bob Ross, I hear, was such a good guy. Just like he is on the show. That people really did gravitate towards him. That's why he was so successful. That was him. He was sort of that guy that made everybody comfortable around him. You wanted to be in his presence. And he was a little bit of a flirt with the ladies. Oh, Bobby. Oh, Bob. He reached out and touched, and he he touched appropriately. It wasn't like he groped. Uh, From what I get, he wasn't a groper. Thank goodness. But he touched your shoulder. Uh, He he would make you feel invited. Uh, People like Bob Ross remind me of other artists that I appreciate. He reminds me a little bit of Marlon Brando. Marlon Brando would do the same thing with people around him. He'd reach out and just touch you on the shoulder. Uh, uh, You know, caress you. Not in a weird way, but in a way that made them engage in your world and want to be a part of your world. That was Bob's gift. He got people To be involved in what he was doing. And he was doing great things. Simply put. Bob Ross really was a showman. That was key. And the biggest reason why Bob was so successful. Is because of his style. He was relaxing. Soft spoken. Oh the whisper. And he was seducing. One friend of Bob said it. And he said it perfectly. He said. Bob Ross had a liquid tranquilizer voice. Perfect. Perfect description of Bob. Let's talk about the title of his show. It was called The Joy of Painting. 
he sort of uh, copied it from other successful titles. Remember The Joy of Cooking and The Joy of Sex. Very popular. (laughs) Bob knew what he was doing. Oh, he knew what he was doing. And because Bob was so engaging and flirtatious, Annette Kowalski, his uh, business extraordinaire, didn't like it. She didn't like when he flirted with other women. Annette was, I would say, at least 25 years Bob Sr.'s. She was 25 years older, I think. She looked it. She looked it. Uh, She had a thing for Bob. That's uh, no surprise. That's not a rumor. She had a thing for Bob. And I find it kind of strange uh, because she sort of uh, got involved with Bob because she just recently lost her son and sort of replaced that feeling with Bob. Why is it that she's attracted to Bob? Kind of weird. Very strange. This relationship between Annette and Bob Ross is really weird. They had an affair. People don't like to talk about it, especially those around Bob and Annette. Now, how far did this affair go? All the way, folks. All the way. I know these things happen. Why, Bob? Why? (laughs) And I tried to figure this out. Is it because Annette did so much for Bob? Bob felt he owed her something? Ooh, Bob. (laughs) I don't know. It happened, right? Who am I to judge? You know, that's his life. Um, But he's married. So is Annette. (laughs) And when uh, that sort of came to the surface, okay, uh, there was a big fight on Christmas Day between Bob and Jane, his wife. That's what Steve says. Uh, The night of Christmas Day. uh, The night of Christmas. Big fight. So things are said, um, boy, on Christmas, damn it. I wonder when Jane found out that Bob was sleeping around with this older lady. Nobody really liked Annette. I don't even think Bob did, but felt the odor something maybe. But when that came out, uh, that was bad. Um, the good thing is Bob and his wife, Jane, they made up. They patched things up. Bob apologized his fucking ass off and said Annette won't be around anymore. And then this sets up the weirdest part of the documentary. And the creepiest part is that Steve the Sun said that a few weeks later, uh, it was really weird, is Steve said (laughs) he sees Annette all alone in the dark in the bathroom sitting on the toilet Smoking a cigarette. <laughs> and Steve went up to her. Asked her if she was okay. Okay, Are you okay Annette? Maybe turn on a light. Whatever. And she looked at Steve and said. You're the only person that loves me Steve. Just you. That's all. <laughs> Sitting on the toilet. What? And Steve was freaked out. I be too Steve. Weird. So I guess Annette sort of drifted away from Bob, the whole situation, 
and also on the set of the show. And because of this, the crew members were ecstatic. They didn't like Annette. Annette would bring friction to the set. And the director plainly stated in the doc that she was relieved. Annette was gone. And that goes to show you um, how important it is when you're in that working environment for there to be as less stress as possible. I don't care what setting it is. It could be on a show, a movie. It could be in your job at the office. And you have that one freaking person that walks in the room and brings everybody down. It's negativity. It's jealousy. It's plain out awful. And then when that person leaves, you're sort of like, oh, fucking thank God. (laughs) Thank you, God, they're gone. That was Annette. Uh, Bob being popular, uh, stretching out across the United States and the world, allowed him to meet and greet in Central Park, New York City. Love this part of the doc. Love this part of the story. Bob was able to put his ass down (laughs) in Central Park and meet all of his fans. And they got to see how he was and meet him. I love this. I love how celebrities put themselves out there like that and reach out to their fans and show them how great they are, not only as an artist, but as a freaking human being. And Bob Ross wasn't only a terrific artist, but he was a terrific human being. There aren't many people can do both. I'm sorry to say it, folks. It's just rare. Bob Ross was rare. Okay, now we got to talk about the bullshit. Let's talk about Bob's image and how it pertained to the business side of his enterprise. It uh, became a thing when you're big like that to start selling product. It makes sense, okay? You, You think about Star Wars, George Lucas. All the toys that came out in the 80s, that's how uh, Lucas made his fortune. Product placement. He sold a shitload of product because of his idea. That's what Bob Ross, it's going to happen. And the Kowalskis are all about it. They want to sell brushes, paints, anything associated with art attached to Bob Ross. Okay, the Kowalskis were all about making money from art. Bob Ross was all about art, fun, and popularity. And you had to sell the product now. You got to sell Bob's face and put it on brushes. Put it on a certain paint. And Bob was for this, but he didn't want to deceive his audience. He didn't want to sell them overpriced garbage he wanted to put his name on valuable brushes good paints but the Kowalskis had something else in mind they just wanted to make the most money as possible so the Kowalskis were really pushing Bob to make as much money as possible and then Bob realizing he's got a bit of a problem with the Kowalskis now they were great in the beginning Supporting him and getting him on his way. But now that Bob was at where he wanted to be, 
they were starting to be a pain in the ass. And during this time, Jane, his wife, gets cancer. It takes her right away, and Bob is crushed. So crushed, so vulnerable, that he gets cancer a few weeks after his wife dies. And there are some people that believe the paint thinner he used during his shows. You know where he's painting and he goes to clean his brush to start on a new color. And he would bang the easel with his brush and the paint thinner's on the brush. And you hear that. And he loved that, by the way. He get a little smirk on his face. I love that. Every part of his show, he'd do that. He loved it. But that paint thinner during every show going up his nostrils wasn't safe and it wasn't healthy. And some believe it was a big reason why he got cancer. But the show must go on. And for Bob, it never ended. But in 1994, the last show of The Joy of Painting occurs. Doesn't stop Bob, though. He does more shows. Working with kids. He always wanted to work with kids. But Bob, at this point, is very sick. So sick, he's losing his hair. He's got to wear a wig. He looks devastatingly thin. And you can tell it's a wig. The Kowalskis aren't happy. The dollar signs are getting less in their pocketbooks because Bob is dying. And I hope that wasn't the complete truth with the Kowalskis. I, as ruthless as they are in the almighty dollar, they really did care for Bob. But as the time went on, I think their love and appreciation for Bob the man diminished quickly with his, well, would you say, certain death around the corner. But Bob had to tie up a few loose ends before he went on his way. And one of the biggest things was getting closer to his son, Steve. And he always wanted the best for his son. He would tell him that he would be the one to take over his legacy. But this was just too much for Steve. And it's too much for anybody. Steve felt the pressure. He wanted to do things on his own watch. His own way. His path. But being a dad, I get it, Bob. You want what's best for your son. What's best for your daughter. And Bob Ross felt that following in his own footsteps, we'd be best, the best for Steve. I might fix that. If not, that's the way it is. He wanted the best for his son. Plain and simple. But that's too much for Steve. And I hope Bob realized that near the end. It got so bad between Steve and Bob, they didn't talk for a few years. When Bob was really sick. Steve regrets that time. He looks back on that and wishes he would have been closer to his dad. But that that's not the case at that time. It, Steve, don't beat yourself up, man. That's the way it was. You guys had a fight, and it takes two to tango. Bob was expecting too much, but his love for his son can't be denied. But thank goodness, <laughs> uh, they will reconcile, 
And I actually believe that Bob and his son, Steve, were the closest they ever were near the end of Bob's life. They connected again. And seeing Steve, his son, in this documentary, talk about his dad, you could tell how much love is in his heart for his father. He truly did love his dad. And he misses him every second of every day. And the Kowalskis ran Bob's ass before he died to sign over his name to them so they could continue to make money off of his name. And I want to, at this point in the show and in the documentary, uh, Jeff Tarowski, the viewer of art and business, will take a step back and make sense of this. This is what I do on my show. I see both sides and I'm in the middle. So when I look at the Kowalski side and I put it all together and see that if it wasn't for them, Bob wouldn't be the star that he became. So they feel they have the right to carry on his legacy because they were without a doubt in their minds and probably the truth in all the rest of our minds, if it wasn't for them, we wouldn't know who Bob Ross was. And they are now destined to take his name that they backed and profit from him after his death. So that's their side. And you kind of see their side. Okay, It's just the way they go about it. They didn't go about it right. Okay, as good as they were at business, they were horrible at dealing with people. And that's a fact. And in the process of doing that, will not only piss off Bob Ross before he dies, but they're going to piss off his son. They're going to piss off everybody around the situation that aren't on their side. And now you got to take a look at the other side, the Bob Ross side. And such. That part of the equation. Okay. As great as the Kowalskis were. In getting Bob on the right track. The Kowalskis. Wouldn't be making any money off of Bob. If it wasn't for Bob's talent. And his personality. And Bob's like. F you. Uh, That's my name. And my name. Is going to go with my family. More specifically, my son and my brother, Jim. So Bob fought this and into his death believed that's the way it was going to be. And that was placed in his will. I believe 55% went to his brother, Jim, and 45% went to his son, Steve. And this is where it gets a little hazy for me. Okay, How the hell, after Bob's death... Did the Kowalskis get his brother Jim to sign off on the name? Did they somehow trick his brother Jim into signing over the name? They must have. And in that way, the Kowalskis are good. They figured out a way to get Bob Ross's brother Jim to sign on the dotted line. And the son Steve knew nothing about it. How in the hell, Jim, can you sleep at night? I get it. Uh, The wool might have been pulled over your eyes. 
uh, for weeks by the Kowalskis, setting it up, uh, telling you you're doing the right thing. What did they tell Jim? Hey, Kowalskis, what did you tell Jim to make him sign in that line? Because once Jim did, the Kowalskis, I guess, are just, they got Bob Ross's name. So anything that you've bought that has Bob Ross's image on or name on (laughs) is because of the Kowalskis and you are padding their pockets. And Steve, the son, wants to fight this and he should. Uh, If it was done underhanded like that, is there a way to sort of correct that? I mean, I don't know. Hey, Jim, the brother, he signed it. I mean, he signed it. He had the most uh, percentage. So it was his call. I wonder how often Jim kicks himself in the ass every day. I hope it's every day. (laughs) I do. It kind of pisses me off. Because the Kowalskis have workshops now in the past. And they would have their students do, uh, would you say, Bob Ross paintings, you know, in Bob's style. And then have the students sign it as Bob Ross. Folks, that is straight up, straight up fucking bullshit. Uh, I can't even... The forgery aspect of this. I mean, it's straight up forgery. On a disgusting level. I mean. And in that way. The Kowalskis are pieces of shit. That is just. Unforgivable. In art. Ah. 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 An artist. It should be their call. If they want recognition for their work. There's some artists that go anonymous. That's that's great. Okay? That's fine. But most artists, uh, they want to hear, good job. Or it, if they sell a painting, it has their fucking name on it. I mean, <laughs> that, that just makes sense. Okay? Uh, it just does. Uh, you star in a movie. You star in a show. You kind of want your name in the credits. Thank God... For the joy of painting. The show I put in every now and then when I'm down. You know, I don't feel good, depressed. I sit down and watch Bob. It's no joke. Um, My family probably sees me watching Bob. And it's probably because I'm a little down. Or I just want to see Bob. Thank you, Bob Ross. Up there, sir. Uh, For making me feel good. Not only just about art. But life. And that's what this show is all about. Uh, Those who listen to my show. Thank you. Um, This is my way of expressing my love. For all styles of art I appreciate all of them so very much I am actually getting more into jazz and the big band stuff I want to dive more into Beethoven, Mozart, Bach if I can and I want to really appreciate all of that art take it in 
to have it really sink in. And I watch Bob Ross and I'm sucked in to his art, his reality in that 26 minutes of pure joy. I get it. And there aren't many artists that do it for me. Bob Ross, you're one of them. Thank you. And thank you for listening to this show. Uh, I hope you enjoyed it. I hope everybody out there is doing fine. Doing okay. And uh, sorry if those of you out there were expecting the Gallo, (laughs) the Vincent Gallo show. Uh, It didn't happen because I'm waiting on Vince to get back to me. There's a way to contact him, of course, on his website. It's, it's no mystery. I reached out to him, and I want to give him a little bit more time. Vince, come on, man. <laughs> come on. I asked him a great question, and I would love his response. So I'm going to give it a little bit more time. So a Vincent Gallo episode, hopefully around the corner. A lot of you, most of you, don't give a shit about Vincent Gallo, but I want to do a show about him. And uh, sorry, I, I missed last week. I got my second COVID shot and it fucking kicked my ass. Sorry for the vulgarity, folks. That's the kind of show it is today. But the second shot, it made my arm sore like the first time. I can handle that. It was the chills, the fever, and the achy body <laughs> and throat. Everything ached. I was on my back on the couch for about 10 hours on a Saturday. I watched Jaws. I watched a documentary on uh, Geffen, the uh, record producer, David Geffen. What a piece of work that guy was. Wow. Okay. So, yeah, I I sort of sucked in (laughs) uh, some entertainment, movies, and docs. So I did that. And later that night... I felt fine. Weird. What the hell went through my body, folks? (laughs) I got the vaccination because I felt I should do my part. It's a vaccination. It can't be bad for me, right? I mean, deep down, I want to believe that. I do. I do. Uh, I'm toeing the line. I'm playing the game. I want to do what's right. (laughs) I hope... I hope I'm doing the right thing. I think I am. And I hope that you are too. Wherever you are about vaccinations, all that stuff. Hey, that's your call, man. It's your body, right? You do what you think is best. So I hope everybody out there is doing just that. Stay safe. Stay sane. And remember to always support the Actors Room with Jeff Tarowski. This was episode 121 highlighting Bob Ross. I hope it was a good show. Tune in next time. Thank you for listening. God bless you. Have a good one.